Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Gemma and welcome to another episode of Good Influence. This is the podcast where I welcome our guests to discuss their experiences, answer your questions and teach us something new. This week we're talking about social media as news, communicating effectively with a global audience, the difficulty of separating individuals from their platforms and not being ashamed to admit we care about all sorts of different things. So joining me this week is Lucy from Shit You Should Care About. Lucy is one of three founders of the popular Instagram account, which now has over three and a half million followers, and has also branched out into a whole multimedia platform, including a daily newsletter and multiple podcasts. Shit You Should Care About, quite a self-explanatory name, keeps subscribers up to date on new and noteworthy events from around the world, and has carved out quite a niche by mixing hard news with a strong and proud lean into pop culture, fandom, and light-hearted daily polls. It's not fun to wake up and write about another mass shooting in the States or people being stripped of their right to get abortion. But the thing that keeps me doing it is that I have this audience that want to hear it and want to share it. And I can feel like by making it make sense, I'm doing something about it. It's a punchy name for a news account. Talk to me about shit you should care about and how you got started with it well it was very important that there was a swear word in the name of it because I think that we just try to tell the news to people in a way that uses the language that we all use in our day-to-day lives so how it came about was I was in my third year of uni um, in New Zealand which you can probably hear from my accent is where I'm from (laughs) and I was studying media and international relations. And I was like, I'm three years into this degree and I don't understand what's happening in the world. And I know it's not because I'm not trying or I'm not smart. It's actually because no one is talking to me in words that make sense to me or like my attention span is so bad that I couldn't handle getting a really dense reading from my lecturer or reading just black and white news after black and white news. So honestly, I just, I text my two best friends, Ruby and Liv, um, who still run this thing with me. And I said, I think we should start something that helps people care about what's happening in the world. And as I'm sure we're going to get into, that is very much anything you want to care about. That can be pop culture. That can Mm -hmm. be Harry Styles. It can be the environment. It can be protests happening in Iran or across the globe, like you don't just have to care about one thing, which has Mm -hmm. always been very important to me. And yeah, from there, I mean, 2018, it was sort of before the Instagram carousel, I think was even a thing. And so we started a blog on WordPress and then I was like, maybe this information should be meeting us like where we all already are. So Mm -hmm. I just randomly put it on Instagram, didn't feel groundbreaking, just did it 
for our friends. I mean, we sat at like 900 followers for months and months, I think. And we just, I certainly just loved making sense of the world. So just continue to do it. And then not to really fast forward it, but 2020 happened and the world turned to shit for lack of anything better or for a very Mm on-brand way of talking about the world. And we were all stuck at home. Everyone was trying to make sense of the new pandemic or the resurgence of Black Lives Matter or Donald Trump's fucking shit show of a presidency. (laughs) And New Zealand was having like a big election. It just felt like this perfect storm of news that needed to be made sense of. And then, yeah, after 2021, we we realised you probably shouldn't be getting all your news from social media. So... Then we started a daily newsletter, which I wake up each morning at 5 a.m. to write for my wonderful pen pals. Oh, my and, goodness. I know. And then a couple of podcasts. And that is the Cliff's Notes or the Spark Notes of shit you should care about. Can't even remember if you asked about the origin story. Just really laid into it there. <laughs> I did. That is exactly what I asked you. So perfect. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, I mean, you're talking there about kind of during that time all the kind of like big stories that were going on and it is quite it's very sort of global news but it's also very western news I guess I'm always quite interested in like how do you decide which kind of stories to cover and like where do you get your news from that you then decide you know what what's going into the newsletter what's going on the Instagram everyone always loves this question and it is it's so interesting because it is just one person it's just me Rubes does the commercial side Liv's does the design but all the content is me but with a little asterisk it is like such a transaction because we have because as you said it's quite global we have people all over the world that are Mm -hmm. sending me emails sending me dms letting me know what's happening where they are which I otherwise might not have seen so a huge way that I get my news is honestly from the audience and making sure that I'm always there to chat or to hear them out or to ask them you know where they get their local news from because often people will say why isn't anyone talking about this or no one's covering this but like in fact Local newsrooms often are. It's just that it's not going to get the most clicks. So these big sites or whatever aren't sort of aggregating it to the top. Anyway, Mm -hmm. very nerdy chat. I wake up in the morning. I read the emails that I've got from people letting me know what's happening where they are. I read a lot of newsletters myself. I always check like BBC, Vox, some tech websites. I love to write about the potential tech downfall or if we're going to be optimistic like great work great new world that could be made possible (laughs) from all these chatbots um and yeah I I get it from a lot of places but I just after doing this for about how many years four years five five years I feel like I have a very like your gut instinct is like a like a muscle and the more you use it the more you sort of know what people are going to want to hear about or what they should hear Mm -hmm. about and so mine's quite strong now if we're going to continue with the metaphor yeah absolutely and do you kind of do you set yourself any kind of targets in terms of this is how many like how many different things we should be covering in like a day or a week or a month or is it 
so ad hoc as in because I mean because that's how we are experiencing the world right yeah it's super it's super ad hoc it's a perfect way to describe it it is interesting because I'm in New Zealand and I feel like I wake up in the morning and a whole lot has happened everywhere else while I'm asleep it almost feels like I'm in the perfect place to be doing this curation or summarizing for people Um, and because our whole thing is being as authentic and transparent as possible, which you can tell because the way I talk is exactly how I write, is exactly how I present myself through memes or whatever it is on Instagram. So mm-hmm. I feel like we, I don't pre-plan or pre-meditate things. I just very, very much react and then take it in and then write something based on how my gut's feeling and the information that I've read. But, yeah, ad hoc, great. Great way of describing what we do. Oh, well, perfect. Great. Glad I used it. <laughs> I mean, I think that makes sense because that is how we're all kind of consuming news anyway, right? And we've you've already kind of mentioned the pop culture element to what you do, which I think is obviously a really massive part of kind of the, the branding of what you do and is so like weaved into it. To you, and I, I, I've got no idea whether I'm even asking a proper question here, but to you, is it about kind of bringing the pop culture elements and kind of cross sections into the more hard news? Or is it kind of looking at the two things side by side and saying they're not the same, they don't interact, but I can be interested in both? Oh, that's a great question. And it annoying answer. It actually is a bit of both because... Obviously, I mean, we have a podcast called Culture Vulture, which talks about the exact sort of second thing you mentioned, where things like culture, celebrity, all of that societal stuff, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. It does impact how we see the world and how we feel about it. And in in really big and meaningful ways, I mean, we covered the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial, and we didn't do that until the internet had sort of had their say on it. We always like to wait. We don't have to be the first to report on something. We like to wait and Mm -hmm. get as much as we can. But that was just such a big moment in terms of how we look at domestic violence or even how we look at the court system or helping us understand more. We learned all of that because of what happened in the celebrity world. But then also it is just really it is just really nice to remind people that you can actually be interested in more than one thing at once. You can give a shit about, like I mentioned earlier, you can care about many things at once and we're all people and we all do. And so at the start, I remember maybe in 2019 or 2020 and a lot of a lot of men were in my DMs saying, Every time you post about Harry Styles, it discredits everything else that you've written about. And I'm like, okay, you can feel why? that one, <laughs> but but why? I know, and why? And mm. particularly for young women, it's like it's so hard to just love something in an uncomplicated way. And we really just want to show people that, yeah, you, you can be multi, multifaceted. It's also just really fun to love things. If I'm going to be working in the news cycle I need to want to do the job. And for me, that is by talking about pop culture and by talking about the news. Otherwise, like our whole sort of catchphrase is helping you get the news without getting the blues. And if I've got the blues, then it's not going to be a good product. It's not going to be a good company. 
If you've got the blues, we're not getting the news from you. Yes. It's not going to Yes. Put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> exactly. I mean, this is kind of, I know I've seen you talk about this before and I thought, I feel like it must have been at least a couple of years ago now when I've see, I saw you do kind of quite a big post about the whole kind of idea that people we're swearing a lot on this podcast already that people basically shit on things that women young Mm. people girls are interested in and the whole kind of idea of them being like the social currency of those things being less because it's young women especially who are interested like I think that kind of idea to me is such like an important part of what you do like it's kind of it's kind of a weird, I guess, like elephant in the room. Like you obviously like love Harry so much, yeah, I know. but like, but I I'm like, well, yeah, cool, me too. And like, I love what you do with that because like, because great, like a lot of people do, and a lot of people are so interested, like in in a lot of different, you know, people, things, TV shows, all sorts in pop culture, and that shouldn't be something that's used to, yeah, discredit their opinions or or everything else but honestly I feel like when you first started talking about that I think we talk about it a little bit more now but I feel like you were kind of in the ground floor really with that size platform of kind of making that idea more public I mean I would love to take credit for it I don't know if I can but I definitely have felt it since I was like 15 and I love that you brought it. I was going to start this podcast by saying should we bring up the elephant in the room but I was like nah I'll, <laughs> I'll let I'll let Gemma bring it up um but I think a few things I mean I think a lot about that one of the things is just when I was younger my brother was a huge fan of the Tour de France and he would host like sleepovers while the Tour de France was on and then he grew up and worked in a bike shop and it was seen as this really cool hobby that he had and still has. Whereas me and Ruby, who she also runs Shit You Should Care About, we loved One Direction and we were we were in New Zealand so when they'd drop a new music video, we'd be up late and like watching it and talking about it on Twitter and my brothers and, and you know, it was seen as quite, and my brothers sort of, bless them, but they would roast me for it. Like it was like loose. Yeah, like that's embarrassing. They'd film me. They filmed me and Rubes getting tickets to one of their shows and like it got played at my 21st because it was so embarrassing that I was screaming or whatever. And I just, mm. as I've grown up, I've looked back at that and been like, why was it seen as really cool to like love this sports thing and have sleepovers to watch it? But then when I was doing the exact same thing, but for a boy band, it was seen as really embarrassing and I never felt like I could get a job off the back of it I didn't feel like I could you know be a commentator or work at a bike shop or be a physio for a rugby team it was very much this is your hobby but for someone else their hobby could become their job and so I feel like because I've kind of been able to do that it's almost my duty to now be like I have you know I have learnt skills like I would read bad fan fiction and be editing it in my head and now I know how to edit or I would code something on Tumblr and now I know how to build a website or things like that. I have learnt skills mm-hmm. that I should have been able to put on a resume, never felt like I could, but now that I have this platform and I kind of have made a job out of being a fan and also just loving communicating with people, I, I feel like it's a huge part of my job to tell people not to shit on stands or fans. I mean, there's there's 
there's a line I think which comes with I'm I was 15 when I started and now I'm 25 and I've seen much more of the world and you celebrities don't owe us shit I think it's very very important that we remember that and that's something we talk about all the time is like if they're not choosing to tell you this information don't go after it like that like celebrities mm. are just people and we've been lucky to interview some celebrities and then I think you just realize everyone is just trying to figure their way out through life you're all just people except some people have this really horrible thing where they're in the limelight all the time and even things they don't want to give you you're trying to take and so I think I very much like to advocate as well that we should just be leaving people well enough alone when <laughs> when they don't want us in their business I mean it's it's Interesting, like obviously the position you're in now and being able to kind of look back at it at the same time, because it's kind of, it's not like, it's not like growing out of something, but it is just like growing up and like growing as a person and kind of being able to like describe that sort of experience and then the perspective that it's given you kind of into your own community, I guess must be really valuable in terms of judging it all. Yeah, hindsight is a beautiful thing. And also the only thing I have to go off, especially being from New Zealand where we're quite isolated, but it's a beautiful, beautiful place to grow up. But the only thing I have to go off is life experience and conversations like this and talking to interesting people and reading lots of interesting things and, yeah, time and growing up and being like, oh, like, with being a fan. 10 years ago, I would have been super active, super like I need to wait outside the hotel room. I need to buy everything. I need to listen to everything. But now I'm like, okay, they're just people still obsessed with them, still want everyone to love them because they bring joy, but I don't need to be going the extra that extra mile that might give us all a bad name. <laughs> the extra 10 miles. <laughs> <laughs> the extra 10 miles, Yeah. <laughs> It's funny though, I feel like there's there's so many different things and I think growing up, if you like, kind of on the internet and I think it applies to lots of things. So like here we're talking about news and kind of the way that we're all taking in our information and I mean if you, if I think about, if we're talking about the whole kind of like fan community culture kind of thing now, I think that in itself has kind of moved with the social media and social movements to kind of become a little bit different as well because I think now I definitely see a lot more of kind of the things you've been talking about of understanding a little bit more about like other people's boundaries for example and that's a conversation that we've been having on social media about you know about ourselves and about each other and our friends and parents and like our intimate relationships in life but it is also something that then kind of bleeds into these other like more celebrity culture and these like bigger kind of news stories and having these conversations about what sort of information we're entitled to or should have access to and yeah kind of how we should be interacting with people and these kind of parasocial relationships we find ourselves in and I think there's actually way more of a cross-section on this kind of stuff than you would maybe think at first glance. I do, I do just find it really interesting to talk about, so thank you. Oh, well, I really like that 
I love that we talk about it more because I think obviously 10 years ago the internet wasn't what it is now. So, of course, there was no research or not that much conversation happening about how fan communities use the internet. But now, like during 2020 when K-pop fans got in there and like booked out a whole bunch of seats at one of Trump's rallies so that he couldn't go. Oh, my God, yeah. Just all the new ways that fans are seen to have value outside of just currency and like buying tickets and funding their their artist, their fave, is so interesting to me as well. But then, yeah, I think it, it has come with some really good conversations about there is a limit to what you feel like you're owed and you're actually owed nothing except for really enjoying the music or the movie or whatever the actual art is. Something I think about a lot. Mm. So, I mean, carrying on that kind of conversation specifically, about that whole idea of you know what people are entitled to what people think that you owe them in your position now as someone who runs a platform how does that kind of idea impact the work that you do because I also think that's quite I mean it's interesting like we're I can obviously see you now because we're talking on zoom but you don't put yourself onto your kind of social channels and it's very much like a platform versus a person with a platform how does that how do you kind of balance that so I think this was a very easy and very conscious decision that we made back in 2018 and maybe it did come from spending so much time in fan communities and seeing what people can do when they get all your information or or not even fan communities, just seeing people get doxxed online and things like that, but also being Mm. surrounded by influencers. It was very much in the era of, let me sell you some teeth whitening stuff or let me sell you some skinny tea or a waist trainer. And I think we all sat, me, Ruby and Liv sat down and were like, this is so not about us that like we shouldn't even, like we drew cartoons and we just used them for about four years. And the question we always came back to was, do you know who runs the BBC? Do you know what they look like? Does it matter? Mm. And no, it doesn't. And because we really were like, it's just not about what we look like or who we are or our families. And I mean, we didn't expect it to get as big as it did, but we made a very conscious decision at the start to be like, No. And that's not to say that I don't give a lot of myself to people because if you read the newsletter, basically every day starts with how I'm feeling, what I did last night, like what's like Gemma asked me to come on a podcast. How fucking cool is that? And so they know a lot about me. They know my tone of voice. They know some things that have happened in my life that I choose to let them know about. But Mm -hmm. them, you know, not having access to a personal Instagram account, not knowing what I look like not having me pop up on their feeds to read them the news and just getting to read it and choose how they take it without knowing what I look like or where I'm from really just feels, it feels safer. And it honestly, it feels more authentic to us because we're never going to try and sell you something based on appearances or pose with a photo, pose with a product or something like that. It just felt like we set this up to be much more of a, of a service than like us being the product. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I get that <laughs> completely. So kind of on 
on the whole idea of like what people then expect from you as a platform how do you manage that because I mean I you know have an Instagram platform also but it's very much you know me as a person but I can imagine that it kind of functions pretty much the same way and that you know if there are people kind of in your DMs being like why haven't you talked about this on 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 whatever occasion it might be like not there's there's often yeah something and sometimes it is as you said sometimes it's as simple as like a time zone as in I mean we're about as far opposite on time zones as you could be but it's the kind of idea that we have to be across everything all the time how do you deal with that kind of as as a thing so in very literal terms I try to spend very little time in the Instagram comments or in the DMs and spend most of the time either directing meaningful conversations to my email or reading responses to the newsletter because that's always where there's a lot more robust chat, a lot more context, a lot more nuance. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, in, in quite a literal way, I don't spend a lot of time on social media after checking that, I've made a post and I've got the facts right and people are okay and um, I haven't hurt anyone's feelings and things like that. But then I do think what you said about people having to be across things all the time and make comments on things all the time, I think that's one thing that does worry me about the internet and definitely worried me in 2020 a lot and 2021. I feel like it's getting better, but maybe that's just because I've stopped feeling pressured by it but I mean there's things like you and I we're just one person so Mm -hmm. as much as it is my job to read and consume and understand and give out findings or you know make it make sense I am still one person you're still one person and and then there's limits because you know you can only give so much background in an Instagram post and so Mm -hmm. you know I find myself a lot of the time just directing people to longer form things, things with much more context and people that are smarter than me and people that are much more educated on certain topics than me. I don't claim to be an expert on everything and and no one is an expert on everything. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really bad for information to expect all your favorite celebrities or all your favorite people with a platform to know everything about everything all the time yeah. because it's just gonna it's just gonna lead to really poor information and and pressure on the people with the platform I think there are things where it's quite easy to learn about and I mean if you have values that align with mine then I think can be quite easy to stand up for but some mm-hmm. things are like this is a historical thing that's been going on for like a hundred years in one afternoon, there's no way that you or I could possibly know everything there is to know about it. And it worries me that there definitely was that expectation for everyone to share and put their two cents in when they really don't need to. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, you mentioned before, it's kind of, 
you don't now feel the need to immediately comment on things has that kind of changed across the past few years like did you originally think oh I have to be like the quickest person kind of on the scene with the first hot take of this like how has that kind of culturally changed I actually did and I think it's because I grew up in like the peak of clickbait and just really kind of shitty articles popping up all over social media and so all I knew was, oh, well, the first thing I'm going to see is the thing that was written first and that's got the most outraged people on Facebook driving it up the algorithms or whatever. And so mm-hmm. when we started on Instagram, I remember being like, I actually have to be so on the pulse. It's like almost ridiculous. And that just doesn't lead to good reporting as we know now. And mm-hmm. it doesn't serve anyone except for the big social media platforms that you're on. So now, and for a few years now, we've taken a slightly slower but much better approach where it's like, okay, Instagram's great for drawing attention to things, but the newsletter is good because it comes out once a day. It's a bit slower. There's been time to process and gather. And then the podcasts are even better because you can literally hear how you and I are talking and you can hear Mm -hmm. us thinking and you can hear the nuance And I mean, I don't have to tell you why podcasts are great. You you have one. I'm on it. But I just think (laughs) it's been a really, (laughs) it's been a really beneficial thing for me to learn that social media just sounds so bizarre for me to say, but isn't the place that we should all be getting our news. And I always say, I can trust myself to do this job because I studied international relations, I studied media, and I work with journalists. But I can't trust anyone else that has a platform like this to be doing the same job with the same background as me. Mm -hmm. So you can trust me. I mean, why would I not say that? But you can trust me and maybe take other very shareable, digestible things that you're seeing, like just with a little bit of, a little bit of caution. Yeah, that makes sense. It's all the like critical thinking, media literacy, like all of those kind of ideas that, we all think we know, but when you see yes. something shared and if you see a bunch of people sharing it, you kind of take it as rote straight away. And it is, it has to become such a reflex that we're all kind of learning to like check the sources on stuff. And yeah, I think people hopefully are learning that like maybe the first take isn't always the best take. And yeah, when to add their voice to a situation, when to not. It's, it's really, it's difficult, but like, I think that's why it's interesting to hear that kind of thing from someone who literally runs a news platform to millions of people. Cause I think it's something that we're still trying to get to grips with, even when we know we should, it's, re- it's a really hard habit to break. A really good example of when this happened and why we're maybe a little bit different to the other accounts on Instagram doing a similar thing is there was this really viral story about um, 15,000 Iranian protesters getting executed and I remember I started seeing it going around on Instagram and everyone was sending it to me saying I needed to cover it why wasn't I talking about it I need to post about it a whole lot of celebrities shared it Justin Trudeau shared it and I was the whole time you know like looking on BBC the New York Times CNN Iranian news outlets I was like I actually can't see this being fact-checked anywhere. I can't see a source. There was one source that was quite a non-reputable source. And 
thank mm. goodness I took history at high school and I could sort of learn how to corroborate and all those great media literacy things that we were just talking about. But I could not for the life of me find where this came from in any meaningful sense except for Twitter and this one sort of bogus news source. And it's not wrong that people have been facing the death penalty there or it's even been used, but the idea that 15,000 people in a mass sweep were, were facing it wasn't actually true. And I wrote a big newsletter story about how, like my processes for trying to figure out whether this was true and, you know, I'd seen so many people, like I just, so many people had shared this just as if it was fact and I thought this is a really good chance for me to show what we should do when we see something incredibly viral like that and mm-hmm. politicians are even sharing it. Um, and that just, if that feels like a great example of what we were just talking about and how we think that we know in ourselves, we think that we can discern what's true and what's false, but sometimes it is really hard to, especially when people that you respect are sharing it. And that was that was just bizarre to me, the way people ran with that. And it was just not true. Yeah, that is a really good example. And yeah, I think it is it's something that we we all need to continuously kind of be aware of. I think, yeah, that's that's a good one to think about. Thank you. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Every week, my guest and I will be answering your questions, and the first one comes in from Marley. How hard is it to reach wider audiences when a lot of content revolves around what is trending? And to what extent is branching out into quote-unquote lesser-known issues feasible when it might not garner as much attention? This is a great question. It's definitely feasible, but it is so... I will say this probably forever. When you're at the mercy of the algorithms, it shouldn't dictate what you post about, but it does dictate how many people see the thing that you've spent a lot of time working on. So mm-hmm. so it is definitely feasible and it's really important. And unfortunately, to keep saying it, something we do a lot in our newsletter because that's not at the mercy of the algorithms. But it is... So it can be disheartening to know that something you've spent very little time on, like an Instagram reel, for example, of something that happened at the Grammys or something will go super viral because Instagram are like, we really want people to use reels. Let's push it to the top. But Mm. then you've spent like all this time fact-checking and writing a carousel about something happening in Afghanistan and it gets 
like not even 10% of people's eyes on it. So it can be disheartening, but I feel like it's learning not to let the algorithm dictate what you care about or what you post about and then finding better avenues to share them. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's kind of like not not trying to fight the algorithm because you're not going to win, but equally, yeah, not being as kind of overly reliant on the numbers, I guess. I think Mm. that's, yeah, Mm -hmm. I've definitely seen that. It's like different types of content you just know full well are going to do different numbers, but it's, you know, do you carry on and do it anyway? (laughs) Yes. It's like we shouldn't be having to game a system to get, the word out there about things but it constantly feels like I'm coming off so anti-social media I'm not anti it I'm just very skeptical of where it's heading and we just shouldn't have to game a system to for people to be able to see what we want them to see yeah yeah it's true I agree next question from Lior who asks what do you put on a resume to emphasize your social media skills gained from being a fangirl? For example, I've had TikToks with millions of views. What do I write on my resume to make that sound important? Oh my God, everyone, especially in the media industry, is searching for people that understand TikTok. So first of all, if you have TikTok experience and you can show that you've garnered heaps of views, some Some CEO out there that doesn't understand TikTok is going to want you regardless. So I don't think you should, I do not think you should leave that off your resume. Also things like if you've learnt basic HTML or if you've learnt Photoshop or community building is actually a huge one and and moderation and things like that. I love that I'm answering this as if if the person is, not even to you, as if the person I'm talking directly to them. But well, you are. They'll be I listening, talking, I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> I am talking directly to you. Not truly, anything that you've learnt of your own free will, it's it's actually better because it shows that you've wanted to learn it and now you've gotten really good at it. And so you've got both the skills and the want and definitely put your TikTok thing, definitely put your TikTok experience on there. People will love that. I mean... I would I would agree. I would be that person be like, yeah, hi them cuz I yeah. do not understand TikTok. I'm kind of I'm scared to put anything on TikTok. I know now I'm like people are always telling me like I should put like the podcast clips and stuff on TikTok and I'm like I'm scared. Don't make me go over there. They're all so young and so mean. <laughs> they can be TikTok can honestly be a terrifying place. That's why not showing our face is the best thing cuz it almost stops us from using a video platform because what am I going to put on there? I just put on, honestly, I put on concert videos that people send me. It, nothing, yeah. nothing high stakes. I know. It's tricky, right? It's a tricky line to line to draw. But that's the thing. You've just got to do what's best for you. That's what I'm going to keep doing anyway. <laughs> yeah, same. Okay, let's finish up with a question from Serena, who has kind of prefaced this question by saying that she actually met you on your she should care about roadie and ask this question but she thought that the answer was so interesting she wanted to ask it on the podcast so everyone else can hear the answer too which I thought was delightful so Serena wanted to ask are there any areas of politics or media or content that you covered that you didn't think you would explore or is there anything you regret covering I can't remember what I said in the first place I don't regret anything that we've covered because 
either, and this is going to be a real like lecturer answer, either I've learned something from it, like I'm learning in real time, often fixing my mistakes in real time, whether that's just a spelling mistake or whether it's I've titled a story something that could be a bit more sensitive and things like that. So I've never regretted something that I've posted. And most of the things I write probably didn't exist or weren't happening like five years ago, especially with things like tech and also world crises. Like these things are so, they're happening so often, they're happening to a lot of the time, all of us. And so none of us could have predicted them, which means I, as one of us, could not predict them. And so most mornings I'm waking up and there's been a new either advancement in something or something else maybe terrible, maybe really good that's happened that I never thought I'd be covering. It's kind of what keeps the job hot and fresh and fun. It's it's me having to make sense of something new every day. And even if that's really hard, I feel like I have the privilege of feeling like I can do something about it every single day. So it's not fun to wake up and write about another mass shooting in the States or people being stripped of their right to get abortion. But the thing that keeps me doing it is that I have this audience that want to hear it and want to share it. And I can feel like by making it make sense, I'm doing something about it. So to answer your question, yeah, basically everything that I learn, (laughs) basically everything I write about is new and I've had to explore so many corners of the world or of the internet that I never thought I would. And two, I actually don't regret anything that I've written. Touch wood. If you want to know about opportunities to send in questions for upcoming guests, then follow us on Instagram or Twitter at goodinfluencegs, or you can email the podcast at goodinfluencepod at gmail.com. Before you go, I've got three things I ask every guest. And so could you please recommend us something to read, something to listen to and something to watch? Okay, well, something to read is the thing that I've been banging on about this whole conversation. Um, You should probably read my morning newsletter, not to make this a promo for me, but it's on Substack and it's called Shit You Should Care About Daily. And it just gives us a bit more than we get from social media. And then something to listen to. I'm going to say Harry Styles because I feel like I owe it to everyone listening that is coming because they know that I'm a fan. But also, you should listen to this podcast called um, Hard Fork on the New York Times. It's all about like all these weird new internet tech advancements. They've just done a really good episode on chat GPT and how freaky and kind of interesting that is. I don't know. It's just a really good podcast if you want to know a bit more. And then something to watch, and this actually was unintentionally quite on brand, but Shit's Creek. I'm just obsessed with Shit's Creek, and I think it's a really good comfort show for someone that like lives in the news cycle and needs to calm down all the time. And also Dan Levy from Shit's Creek follows us on Instagram, so I feel like I'm weirdly connected. And it's just a great, great show. 
I don't know if that's what you wanted, but they're my, they're my recommendations. Listen, I wanted to know what you recommended. Therefore, you've answered that question perfectly. <laughs> I personally <laughs> have watched Schitt's Creek about four or five times all the way through. So I'll, I'm yeah. definitely with you on that one. And I mean, let's let's just say it's criminal. I've never recommended Harry's music on the podcast before. And nobody <laughs> else fine. has either. So job. there we go. Thank God. Thank God you're here. Thank God I'm here as his PR. <laughs> He, he really needs us. We've been slacking. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening and thank you, Lucy, for joining me. If you enjoyed the episode, I would love you to subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you're listening on. And if you're feeling extra generous, you can leave a rating and a review as well. See you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 